Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Carrying Through the Matrix on December the 14th, 2010. Now newcomers to the show should always go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, that's the official website, and you'll see a whole bunch of the other official websites I've got listed there. Bookmark them for future use in case you get problems with the com site. They're all, all these sites carry the same audios for download. They carry uh, a lot of transcripts in English, all of them, for a print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, remember to go into alanwattsentinel.eu, which is listed on the com site, and that will take you to uh, a site where you can get transcripts from quite a few different languages of the world for print-up and pass them around to your friends. It's a good idea. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. As you notice, I don't sell anything on this particular show. All I've got to sell is the few books and so on I have had time to put out there and these amazing times that we're going through. And it's up to you to keep me going if you want to hear this kind of stuff because I take a different perspective on history. I take the, uh, I take what's happening to put it into perspective for you. You have to understand the big movements are afoot today and where it's going, where it's, how it's got here in fact, and why it's to go this way. And you're living through the greatest time in history for change across the entire planet, much, much bigger than, than the industrial era where millions of peasants were kicked off their land and put into the cities because of the corn laws, uh, which Mr. Rothschild, by the way, put through when he became Lord. And they dumped all the cheap corn in Britain and elsewhere, and the farmers went under. So they all moved to the cities to start off as the labor force for the Industrial Revolution, and you could buy them for ten a penny. And that's how cheap life was back then. It's not much different today, folks. So remember, you can order the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order. You can use cash. You can use PayPal. What you do is use the donation button you'll see at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and send off the appropriate amount, followed by an email with your name and address and order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, you have uh, Western Union to wire. You've got the cheaper version, MoneyGram, which can also give you a check to post. It's far cheaper. And you can also use PayPal again to send the appropriate donation, followed by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it right out to you. And things will be slow, of course, as we go up to the, this silly Christmas rush of mass consumerism. Uh, and uh, probably one of the last ones of mass consumerism as things go up in price and our lifestyle was, was, has changed along with it too. But um, things will be slower in the post, so uh, if you get it in now, hopefully you'll get it in time, or at least quicker than it will be, because they're always backlogged at this time of year for a few weeks, even after Christmas. And on this show, as I say, I talk about the systems in which you live, the techniques which control your minds, 
I've tried in the past to give you many examples from the experts themselves, the Skinner group and so on, the Skinnerians who went to behaviorism and into the neuroscientists and neuroeconomists, they call them now too, who deal with using economic factors to alter your behavior or the power of the purse, as others call it, as we go through these amazing times. And it's astounding how fast it's gone. Not really astounding when you think about all the foundations and the grants to universities to study people the last, oh, 100 years or so. Massive grants put into it. Lots of testing on an unaware public to see how they react in certain situations, all to do with what we're going through today. We're very predictable. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And the matrix is very appropriate to the movie itself to do with the system in which we live, where there are so many levels of this other reality uh, that people tend to get stuck in the one that they're in or they move into the one next door and think, again, that's all there is to it. I've, I've found it all out and there's only, you're only, you're only starting the journey. There's so many levels above you. And that's what we're in. It's, it's levels of entrapment, you might say. And it starts off at a very early age with indoctrination from your parents who tell you their reality, which of course was given to them by their parents and their cultural system and their news media. And all mammals are taught by the parents very early on what is dangerous to them and what is not. And if the mammal doesn't do that, then you'll find uh, young bear cubs and so on wandering up to you, followed by mama, of course, who is aware of what's going on and doesn't like it at all. But the cub thing is quite innocent. It doesn't, has been told yet that uh, you have to stay away from human beings. Same with any mammal. And so therefore we adapt and, and we adopt the parental attitude and then we become a good citizen by doing so. And of course the school reinforces that reality uh, of fiction really, because you live in fiction. What they give to you as reality is actually fiction because governments have never, ever, ever been in the business of informing the people on anything truly and completely. Never, ever. It's never happened in the whole of history. Their job is to deceive and make things palatable to the general public by today using public relations companies, marketing companies, to use certain psychologies, again, with um, psycholinguistic words, which make you feel nice and warm and fuzzy for the most horrible things, really. It's kind of like saying for for peace and safety, are you willing to give up your security? So peace, you know, and, and um, sounds pretty good. We all like to be safe. And they're, they're telling to give up all your rights, actually, for security. If you, if you don't have rights, you understand you have no security. It's an oxymoron. And the test they did after 9-11... That suddenly rolled out by all the media, all their polls that they took, all, all in queue at the, on board at the same time. Not with what you think, what do you think happened at 9-11? It was all, will you give up your rights for security? Um, they all went on board with that, talking to men in the street and women in the street and getting all their answers. And it was quite interesting to see the data too, which I'm sure you can go back and find. But you see, 
we're, we're run by illusion and chronology, as I call it, chronology. The, the Machiavellian techniques of controlling the public, without them even knowing they're being controlled, their, their thoughts are controlled. And we are definitely born into this system. And um, there are those who know who go to a different kind of special schooling and the rest of the population who go to the ordinary schools are not taught what the realities of life are whatsoever, whatsoever, and to what really rules them. There has never been a government with a true democracy. It has never existed. Never existed. The beautiful trick was to make you believe it did, and that's why you're all in disbelief as you're going down the tubes into a global system of hell. And I mean hell because what you're going into is the most controlled, scientifically controlled, and followed by brutal force, if necessary, system that's ever been devised across the whole world. And all the warning signals that we saw before the Bolsheviks took over in Russia, with their incredible slaughters leading up to slaughters, starting off with coercion and then force and then slaughters, all of that you're seeing implemented in your own countries under the guise of giving up your, your rights and your freedoms for security. And folk can't see it for what it is. They cannot see it. And we have all these different agendas on the go at the same time, which is part of this technique to keep you uh, bewildered at the, at the variety of them all rushing ahead at the same time. It's not logical, you see, if you've got a logical mind, as to, to distribute the wealth of your countries when you've already been bankrupted and you're continuing to be bankrupted, to distribute your wealth across the, the country to supposedly go to third world countries. And it's not. Last night I went through the article uh, that dealt with that, where the money that's to come out of the, this, this treaty at Cancun um, is going to be earmarked for masses of bureaucracies to be built up in all these different areas or regions, as I like to call them now. And Mr. Lord Monkford did a good job in telling you it's exactly the same technique that they used with the European Union. Exactly the same technique. So we're going into an organized, planned, created hell. But it won't last forever, of course, because as we go through hell and the children are born and get their indoctrinations they'll come into a different world of a vastly reduced population around the year 2050 or so. That's what all the big reports say. Suddenly it's going to drop from this peak and, and massively decline for some strange reason, which they have not disclosed yet and no doubt never will. But it won't be pleasant for whatever it is. They have the supply of all the money. The five, the five agri-food businesses have total control of the world's food supply. The food supply they're dishing out to the public is GMO, which is not good for your health. It will sterilize you. It will also give you cancers and so on. And lots more folk will die much younger and so on with it too, which goes along with the agenda. I've gone through, for those who are still stuck in disbelief, and most are actually, the reports put out by the, those from the Lucky Gene Club, as they call them, the Bill Gates um, and Oprah Winfrey and so on, that all get together to decide uh, to rapidly, rapidly reduce the world's population. Of course, Rockefeller's in there too, with all the other big foundations. Rapidly reduce the world's population. What do you mean rapidly? Well, naturally, that you're, the way you've been taught here is that you are egocentric, uh, and you can't believe anything nasty will be done to you because you're so special. 
You're so special. No one's after you. You say you're so special. And you'll be fine. And it's true, too, when you're young, you can't imagine dying. You truly believe you're a separate species from the elderly. It's very difficult to say, one day I'll be like that. No, it never occurs to you. I used to go around uh, graveyards when I was small. It was most peaceful place there was, and read the different inscriptions. And one of the most popular ones that you would see then was, As I am now, so you shall be. We all get there eventually. problem is today you're living in a youth culture that's been going on since about the 60s, where they're trying to make everyone stay a perpetual teenager forever. And that's why elderly folk have no more wisdom to pass on to you than anyone else of your own young age. They've watched the TV programs, the movies, or their whole life long, that's all they know. And uh, they've never matured. And they've been taught to be terrified of getting old as well. And if they do speak anyway, they're taught to be ignored by the young generation who get all that at school. Anyway, I've talked about the amalgamation of the Americas, and it's well underway. There's been so many treaties signed. They haven't disclosed the vast bulk of data that has been signed into the agreements yet to the general public. They won't bother until you're under a new flag of some kind. No doubt they've already got it ready to go, just like the EU flag was set up to go. Because they spend years in advance on the, on the smallest detail, those organizers at the top. But part of the, of the amalgamation, too, is to do with pollution, as they call it, and carbon initiatives and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that um, prime ministers and presidents would have taken the heat if they came out openly and some, simply signed them. So they left it to the areas or regions within their countries to do it all cross-border. And Canada has done it with the U.S. and U.S. has done it with Mexico. Here's an article on it here, and I mentioned this before. Uh, it's called uh, the Western Climate Initiative, and it's a very good write-up on one of the magazines out there, so I'll, I'll read it off to you. It says, Welcome to the Western Climate Initiative. The WCI is a collaboration of independent jurisdictions working together to identify, evaluate, and implement policies to tackle climate change at a regional level. The UN, you see, set everything up in regions, not countries anymore. It says, this is a com- comprehensive effort to reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Remember, most of that is water vapor, steam, you might say. A spur investment in clean energy technologies that create green jobs. I guess that's fungus, you know, and reduce dependence on imported oil. So that's the spiel that they give out. It says, for an overall view of the WCI, download the brochure. And I'll put the links up at the end of the night for you can you need them through yourself. And... It's, it's quite interesting what they've got uh, proposed for the whole of the U.S. and the American uh, and the Canadian integration into this whole scheme. It involves all energy use too, sharing all energy, uh, electricity, which means bills and all the rest of it, and taxations. And taxations. That's integration, folks, for those who can't think very quickly. And this other article here. Uh, which also put a link up for us, says, while Americans were battling cap-and-trade legislation, which is carbon taxes, at the national and international levels, global warming alarmists were quietly building regional systems between state and local governments, private industry, and even foreign governments that basically achieved the same effect, higher energy prices for consumers and more money for governments. The first and most prominent of these U.S. cap-and-trade systems is known 
as the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, the RGGI. It was created not by the people through their legislators, by a so-called Memorandum of Understanding between state governors, an accord, they call them, consisting so far of 10 northeastern and mid-Atlantic states, consisting of Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and Vermont. The scheme is described on the RGG website as the first mandatory market-based effort in the U.S. to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, its board of directors consists primarily of each participating state's environmental bureaucrats. So that's who runs it, you see, non-governmental organizations. And I'll read the rest of this when I come back because it's very interesting because it pertains to all of you. This is only one of these, these uh, ones. The rest of them are amalgamating too as we speak. Back after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the con game of carbon emissions and how they sell it to each other, uh, bags of nothing really, and um, how it all gets put down to you on the, on the taxpayer at the bottom, where you have to pick up the tab for all of this incredible plundering of nothingness except your money. And this article goes on to say, the initiative works by having each state cap its carbon dioxide emissions at a certain level then auctioning off emission permits to the highest bidder. Eventually, the CO2 limits will be reduced, causing increased energy prices as companies pass along the added costs to consumers. By 2018, the RGGI plans to reduce energy sector emissions by 10%. It'll be a lot more than that because every year they have their meetings and they up it, you see, at the world events. Thus far, the scheme has netted close to a billion dollars by selling carbon credits and bags of nothing, you see, to utility companies and other firms in participating states, earning about $50 million through an auction held on December the 1st. The first auction was actually held back in 2008, and there have been nine since then. Spoils from the mission permits are then handed out by state governments to companies, environmental groups, and others. Incredibly, RGGI has managed to avoid public scrutiny of its operations by incorporating as a non-profit organization. So you're back to the new feudal system. What was it Brzezinski said too? He said the technocrats can move and get things done behind the scene because they're not responsible to the public as the government workers are. So they, so they, they create non-profit organizations run by foundations, of course, the parallel government. It says, unleaving enforcement and regulation to the individual states. The corporation claims it does not have to respond to public requests for information since technically it is not actually a government entity. So your laws and your taxations are being proposed and implemented uh, by non-governmental agencies. It says, but the corruption is already coming out in the open. New Hampshire conservationists have had high hopes for, of how $18 million in funding generated by the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative might advance energy efficiency projects, wrote Collins Fergus Cullen in the New Hampshire Union leader uh, this, earlier this month. Unfortunately, cronyism and corporate welfare hallmark too many grants awarded by the Public Utilities Commission so far. I mean, it's a great boon to get into because... You can't fail you. Your out, 
poor as nothing, and you just buy and sell these carbon credits, just like the stock market. And in the European Union, they handed out millions of dollars worth or euros worth of these ones free to the big CEOs of the big corporations. And and they made profits off them uh, without costing them anything at all. Collins' piece details, amongst other things, outrageous handouts to environmental front groups and big businesses that help push the scheme through. For example, an activist group in New Hampshire called Clean Air, Cool Planet was incorporated by out-of-state bigwigs to promote global warming alarmists, including Al Gore's discredited documentary An Inconvenient Spoof, or truth it says here, it's a spoof actually. Having helped create this pot of money, Clean Air was one of the first in line with its handouts so it could do more alarmist advocacy, paid for with public resources awarded by friends. Colin explains, The group has already received almost half a million dollars. Another example cited by the columnist Yogurt on a Mission, producer Stonyfield Farm, with $300 million in yearly sales, receives nearly $150,000 to upgrade its air conditioning system. Money was basically shoveled out, creating opportunities for the well-connected and the in-the-know, while millions of dollars have gone out the window, wasted like heat leaking out of an uncocked pane of glass, Colin continues. But RGGI boss Jonathan Schrage, who often intense, uh, who after intense public pressure, recently disclosed his salary of almost $170,000 per year. Not bad being in the advocacy business, you know, getting paid as well by the big foundations on top of all of that, thinks the scheme is is great. I look forward to building RGGI Inc. into a dependable administrative ally of each state's RGGI program, Scrag said in a press release when he was appointed executive director. The states have done tremendous work to develop the first CO2 cap-and-trade system in the U.S. Not everyone thinks so, though, and in an email to supporters, the Center for the Defense of Free Enterprise warned of even bigger problems to come, saying RGGI is a prototype for more regional cap and tax entities, wrote the organization's executive vice president, Ron Arnold. Soon RGGI will expand to every state and stick you with astronomical energy prices as they laugh up their sleeves. Uh, and this is me speaking now. And, and, you know, funnel the money into their pockets and into their friends' pockets and Swiss bank accounts. But they also have the, the, a bigger deal on the go. It's an even bigger and more ambitious effort that includes Canadian provinces and even Mexican states as observers is set to go into effect in 2012, known as the Western Climate Initiative. The scheme is described on its official website as a collaboration of independent jurisdictions working together to identify, evaluate, and implement policies to tackle climate change at a regional level. That's how it sounds. It's really a money grabber, and you're going to pay for it all. This is among the participating jurisdictions, California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, Montana, and four Canadian provinces, so-called observers, uh, jurisdictions that are likely to join soon include six Mexican states and an additional six U.S. states and another three Canadian provinces. The Western Climate Initiative, like the RGGI, was also created by an agreement between state governors, not legislators. That's your democracy, folks. Back with more after this break. You're listening.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Another article that's out today too is just another nail in the coffin for for those who can't quite get that they're living under a new totalitarian regime. It's all around you. It's been around you for quite some time. And that people are and forces are moving forward all the time in this battle. It doesn't have any opposition, really, because most folk are stuck in disbelief. They're still stuck and they can't believe it's happening, so it's not happening. And that's how they rationalize it. And this article here, December 11th, in a move questioned by the New York Civil Liberties Union and some of the New York's top lawyers, the New York Police Department is now using machines to photograph and scan the irises of prisoners as they pass through the New York Central Booking. This is not for people who are necessarily charged, by the way. The department claims that this new high-tech identification program is part of a fail-safe measure meant to prevent escapees as suspects move through New York's complex and winding court system. And it says here, the NYPD can now photograph the arses of suspects arrested for any reason, and they implemented this without any legislative oversight or public discourse, said David Persman. There are also no reports on how authorities plan to protect the collection of biometric data from misuse. None of, uh, news of the initiative was first released last week, and then the civil libertarians, of course, and privacy advocates say the collection and storing of the data could put innocent people under permanent supervision or suspicion. And it says here that... Um, a legal review by the NYPD has determined that the legislative authorization was not necessary despite the fact that the department's collection of electronic data has been tainted with controversy as recently as this summer. The department was forced to stop electronic storage of names and addresses of people stopped under stop-and-frisk programs but not charged or arrested. Well, you know too well that this iron area scanning will go nationwide for everything too, including frisking on the street with their portable iris scans and all the rest of it. It's obvious for those who can't see and what's coming down the road. That's tough cheese. And just to tell you too, I've said democracy has never existed. Um, Up until, I'd say, really the, the late 90s, you were given the illusion of freedom. And just don't worry, just be happy was the mantra then. Usually the credit cards, the credit cards really kept people going for the last 15 years before 2001 came along. And um, they kept them as perpetual teenagers. Don't worry about things. You, you have a government, you have your own country, and you were meant to believe in this illusion. And in reality, you had none at all. Uh, they were keeping you quiet until they could kick off the 21st century and put it all into full bloom, all their old plans. And by goodness me, did they not do so across the entire planet at the same time? That takes coordination, pre-planning, and lots of agreements over many, many, many years, maybe 20, 30 years of bureaucrats, bureaucrats crossing oceans and making deals to make sure they're all on board, as I like to call it, and consensus on track with the plan. And then they implemented it, and folks still can't understand what's happening. But they're adapting very quickly to get frisked and groped and all the rest of it, x-rayed. And now it'll be iris scanned as well. Uh, why not? You know, why not go the whole, the whole way with it, since the public are meek and mild and well-conditioned? 
But to show you the point that you've never had democracy. And I mentioned before too, Jacques Elul, who talks about the fact that every Western country since World War II had files on every single citizen from your childhood reports, from national health services for those who had it, from doctor's reports, from your school, uh, on all your examinations, and, and they were doing psychological testing back then too, including your examinations, if you had any multiple choice questions, they were figuring out why you took this one to answer, not that one, etc., and building personality profiles. They've been doing this kind of stuff since then, long before they brought in the computers, at least as far as we're told, because I'm sure the computers are far older than tell us too. But uh, we've never had democracy at all, and we've all been taught that rather quickly after 9-11. Now, here's an article from Britain that ties in with this schoolboy warned by police over picket plan at the Prime Minister David Cameron's office. Twelve-year-old. It says... um, Nikki Wishart, a pupil at Bartholomew School in Sham, told, uh, police told school by Nikki Wishart he would be arrested if his picket at David Cameron's office sparked unrest. The mother of a 12-year-old boy has criticized Thames Valley Police for taking her son out of lessons. They came to his school because he was planning to, ticket, or to picket David Cameron's constituency office today. I thought that was all democratic. You're right to picket, you see. And protest. Nikki Wishart, a pupil at Bartholomew School, Oxfordshire, organized the event on Facebook to highlight the plight of his youth center. These youth centers is where you go and they have games for, for the youngsters and so on. It keeps them off the street, keeps them out of trouble. Which is due to close in March next year due to budget cuts. The protest, which was due to take place today, has attracted over 130 people on Facebook, most of whom are children who use the youth center in Cameron's constituency, which is Whitney. It says, Wishart said that after the school was contacted by anti-terrorist officers, this is for 12-year-old children, anti-terrorist officers got in touch with the school. He was taken out of his English class on Tuesday afternoon and interviewed by a Thames Valley officer at the school in the presence of his head of the year. During the interview, Wishart says that the officer told them that if any public disorder took place at the event, he would be held responsible and arrested. Speaking to The Guardian, Nikki, it's a terrible paper, but that's where the story is. Nikki Wishart said, in my lesson, a school secretary came and said my head of year wanted to talk to me. She was in her office with a police officer who wanted to talk to me about the protest. He said if a riot breaks out, we will arrest people, and if anything happens, you will get arrested because you are the organizer. He said, even if I didn't turn up, I would be arrested. And he also said that if David Cameron was in, his armed officers will be uh, will be there. So if anything happens, out of line. Uh, and then he stopped talking. In other words, the, the, first the guy says there are going to be armed officers there. Anything out of line happens, and what do you expect he's going to say? He's going to mow them down? This is the reality we're living in today. It's permeated every facet of society, every age group. So Wishart, who described himself as a maths geek, said he was frightened by the encounter. I was really scared. Well, I would be too if someone threatened to machine gun me down if I turned up at a little rally to save my little place, the little club. 
Normally I'm a confident speaker, but I lost all my confidence. My mum was worried, and I was worried, and I didn't know what to do. Can you imagine this? This guy probably was wondering if he was going to raid his home and kill him. So that's your democracy for you who still go by illusion. And I don't tend to speak to people who are still stuck in any kind of illusion or delusion. Now, there's a call from Toronto from Robert. Are you there, Robert? Hello? This is Robert? Yeah. Uh, okay. Hi, Alan. Hello. Uh, I'm sure you're like me, uh, thinking, uh, thinking the heavens that uh, global warming exists uh, right now because uh, I'm sure it's hell pretty hot down here in Toronto. I'm in a stair. I'm sure it's just the same. That's right. I got, I got 15 below last night. <laughs> An Arctic wind came down, and when I opened my door, I had about four and a half feet uh, of a wall there to shovel out. Yeah. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm uh, thinking about going outside in my T-shirt. Anyway, um, I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on um, just the whole uh, patriotic movement here and uh, how people and uh, I know like a lot of radio hosts out there who just have this idea, okay, that if we can just, you know, simply, you know, get rid of the Federal Reserve or get rid of, you know, the, the banks and uh, – um, just basically all the all the big shots you know out there who are running the show. If we can get rid of these people, okay, but we can keep our rap and we can keep our heavy metal and we can keep our you know our uh, the immoral dress and everything like that that's going rampant these days. You know, we'll be just fine. You know, they just have this idea that. You know, we just got to get rid of, I don't know, let's just, let's just get our country back. Let's get our freedom back. You know, but let's keep all the immorality. Let's keep all of the, you know, disgusting music and everything. But maybe just, you know, get rid of the music that's, like, just a little bit too disgusting. You know what I mean? It has a little bit too much uh, perversion or too much uh, swearing in them or something like that. But keep the, you know, the good heavy metal, let's say, or something like that. I wonder, you know, I, I'm just finding this whole mentality, it really disgusts me, okay, because they, they just want to have their little, you know, let's just get our freedoms back so that we can be free to do whatever the hell we want and let everyone else be free to do whatever they want, you know, and, and it's really disgusting me, to be honest with you. It is. I, I, was, I was thinking about that, uh, too, and, and um, you can understand that everyone has gone through their incredible conditioning systems from birth, as I say. Incredible transformations have happened, and the, and the youngsters know nothing about it. And even the ones in their twenties who are off partying and listening to what they call music now have no idea that psychologists and uh, behaviorists are in on board with the culture creation creating industry, and uh, at the magazine editors and all the rest of it. It's all part of the culture industry that promotes whatever they're promoting. And you're quite right; uh, they've been taught taught to. Uh, they're the end product of what Wells dreamed of, where they destroy marriage. Uh, incredible promiscuity was okay. And um, don't worry, the state will take care of any problems or outcomes from the promiscuity. Um, you're, you're seeing them where they want that lifestyle and they want what they think is freedom. They've never defined freedom, you understand? Uh, because freedom in all ages takes responsibility with it. You have responsibility with freedom. Otherwise, your neighbor can say, I'm free to take what you've got in your front yard there or whatever, or, or take your wife or your children. Um, that would be his freedom. I've, I've heard the same argument used in, on, on websites where you've now got pedophiles who are saying, well, you see, everything else is okay now. Homosexuality is okay. The lesbian is fine. 
and, and they've got special status. It's almost a special status above everyone else. So that's fine. So why can I uh, go after um, what I like, uh, my sexual preference, which is children? That's uh, using that as an argument. And they will eventually get it, by the way, because I've seen the agenda. I know this is on the agenda. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and it's just- and it's just like I was like I was saying to you, like they like okay, they'll uh, they'll come out with um, uh, I don't know, they'll come out with some uh, revolted uh, music, some revolted song, okay, so maybe it's, maybe it's heavy metal or whatever. But because it's talking about freedom, because the lyrics are you know going against the big boys and the people who are in charge of the show, because these lyrics, okay, are uh, countering the revolution that's happening in our day. That by itself, okay, by virtue of these lyrics, makes the, the revolutionary music itself, okay, justified. And, and this is the kind of thing as I, you know, this 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 music, this synthetic, um, scientifically created, uh, hot, you know, just this disgusting stuff, is really what inspires, okay, in my opinion, and I'm I'm, I'm sure it's yours as well, that the immorality, or rather the mentality towards the uh, the prom- promiscuity towards the, uh, the, the the you you basically doing things contrary to to the natural order of things. Uh, I'm not sure if you understand what I'm saying. Well, I'm I understand saying. perfectly. Uh, you, what you've got, you see, the, the culture creators also give you the revolutionary music. And initially, they'll always say it's underground. But as soon as you say it's under, underground, they all go for it. Oh, it's underground. It's a new end thing. They don't like it at the top. It's anti-establishment. And eventually, when you see that same kind of music appear in movies and in, in commercials, you know it, it's become mainstream and normal and acceptable music now. So, as it was intended to do all along, uh, I can remember Sid Vicious starting off his stuff, and initially it was supposed to be anti-establishment and so on, and eventually it was umpteen different movies, the same kind of music, and, and commercials, etc. So it does foster the whole lifestyle. It's nihilistic, number one. Uh, everything in it is to do with, um, again, this vague thing called freedom. And freedom to them, as you say, at that age group, with everything they've watched, the programming at school, through all the movies that they've got for their age group, and uh, and so on, is incredible. They think freedom is literally having a, a lifelong party and never growing up. That's what they think freedom is. And to be unhindered doing all that, even having orgies if it need be, without any state intervention or, or even neighbors complaining, that's that's a loss of freedom to them. So you're looking at the, the defunct society, the end product of a long, continuous war, which they didn't even know has happened. And youngsters, of course, will never know what's happened because they don't realize what's hap- happened before for the last 50, 60 years. And they're the end product of it. They are exactly what, uh, as I say, H.G. Wells Bertrand Russell, Julian Huxley, first CEO of UNESCO, wanted them to be because um, they will do anything at all, they're told, to preserve uh, the fun they can already have. That's what they're, so it's the fun they're trying to preserve uh, and nothing beyond that. That's complete immaturity and, and that's what's being given to them by their masters. They don't even know that they have masters. They don't know that no one becomes a star unless the big boys have decided to make you a star. It doesn't matter what you sound like or look like or anything else. It takes incredible money, organization, marketing, and so on to make someone a star. And the stars are all produced for them to follow. That's why they say, the big boys said this uh, over a 100 years ago, we give them the stars, the guiding lights. 
and uh, they follow the stars. It's a simple, a simple technique. They emulate and mimic what they see. I watched one documentary there. It was, um, it's called We Live in Public. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's uh, well worth seeing. It's, it's definitely a CIA experiment, by the way. Yeah, I have mentioned the, the actual movie, the experiment, based on uh, the Stanford research teams that did the prison um, experiment where you came in and they'd advocate some people to be prisoners and other ones to be police officers. Within a week, you had the police officers believing in their roles, these, these civilian volunteers, and beating up the prisoners. And uh, I wanted to that, which was absolutely incredible. Well, this one goes even further because it ties in with the modern culture. They sit at New York. It was held in a, over a long extended period of time. You've got the sort of 20 to 30 age group there. Um, they gave up all the rights and freedoms to get into what they thought was this incredible new age up, upscale club, a cutting edge thing, and told them their whole life histories, gave over the social insurance numbers voluntarily, and uh, that was part of the test too, to see if they would give up all their information, because so we used to do it on Facebook and so on. Uh, gave them mass, a bit massive bars, free booze, drugs, the whole lot. They even had a, an, an area where they could blast off machine guns. Now this is in New York State, in New York City. You're caught with a, a gun there, and so it tells you the police were told to stay away. It was definitely a CIA-sponsored um, uh, event, and over a long period of time, they, they got probably miles and miles of footage. Everyone was photographed at all times and having sex and, and so on and even in the toilet and the bathroom, and these people are, are goners. That, that generation are goners, those who participated in that. They have no minds of their own. They are a collage of indoctrinations. But back after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Is, is Robert gone, is he? Yeah, uh, I was just wanting to uh, also comment uh, just on uh, that whole uh, scene from the Matrix when uh, they were, uh, I guess they, he was walking through uh, with um, Morpheus uh, through a part of the Matrix and Morpheus explained to him that, you know, this system is your enemy and uh, mm-hmm. the people who are who are of this system and still basically you know, abide by this system, likewise, you know, are your enemy. And um, I think sort of this was a great line or rather uh, um, a great lesson from the movie in our day and age especially because, you know, people seem to want to, uh, you know, convert all these people, okay, to the truth when the fact of the matter is is that the majority of the people that we come in contact with really are not going to get it. They're not going to wake up. They no. don't want to wake up at all. And and if you sort of keep with these people, okay, um, you're also I, I believe, okay, you're probably you're you're going to basically degrade yourself, okay, down to a lower level. Mm-hmm. You know, not considering that these people really are, you know, enemies, okay, because they're promoting, they're they're keeping with the system, okay, that really is the enemy of humanity. And I think that's what a lot of people really don't get. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. They don't want to be radical in this movement at all. They don't want to uh, distinguish what's dark and what's light. Okay. Mm-hmm. They just simply want to have this 
mishmash of feely goody and whatever. Oh, you know, it's, it's horrible that things are the way they are. You know, but let's not offend anybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's right. That's you right. really have to like be more radical in this. And if you have to, I'm sorry. Like, if you have to live your whole life alone for Christ's sakes, I mean. This is what you have to do, okay? This is, if you want to be a true revolutionary, okay, you're going to have to be almost a martyr, okay? And if martyrdom means that the rest of the world is, is going to hate you, well, then so be it, right? But mm-hmm. that's what you're going to have to stand up for. I mean, I'm not sure what your take on that is. Well, there's, there's no doubt. Every, every change in society down through the ages has been led by someone who, who did suffer for it. There's no doubt about that. And um, initially, the, 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 the folks stand around like cattle, basically, and moo and not quite sure what to say about it, and you need more and more and more of them until that so many folk are locked up for expressing their views. And people are being locked up today, by the way, for expressing their views. And uh, until they can't keep everybody in prison, you need to have more more people in prison uh, than they're out on the streets uh, partying and having fun. You know. Absolutely. And, and that's the state we're at because you've got to understand behaviorism and psychology has been used to, to, to the nth degree in our society and it's been on the go for that way, I'd say, if, since they brought in the Macy Group and the Frankfurt School and they were given authorization by presidents and prime ministers and the United Nations to create a new culture that would keep everybody in the dark but fairly happy. I mean, that was their job. And also to, to change the lifestyle, again, destroy marriage and all the rest of it, and keep them in a, in a juvenile, juvenile state forever, regardless of their age. That's been successful, and uh, that was a, a massive, um, well-funded... Or You understand the billions of dollars that are used, not only to collect personality profiles, but to see if their agendas are working on every individual. And if it's not working on you, they know, they know that already. And they try to find ways to make it work on you. But you're right, until you wake up, you're like those in the practice matrix. Um, everyone who's still in the land of the dead, technically, um, is an enemy because when, it, when the government eventually tells them to turn in people who've said this, that, or whatever, they will do so. They will do so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. And sorry, Mariana from Mexico, please try again maybe tomorrow.